G'day all, welcome to the Hardly Adequate Podcast. My name is Desi and this week we're joined by Leo to talk through the beginning of his journey into cyber. So welcome Leo, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, it's a pleasure to be here. For a little bit of context for everyone, you came on board with Hardly Adequate to help with some of the editing because you're, and you're also interested in cyber, you're looking to to transition across. So this is a little bit unusual, I guess, in how I normally interview people. So why don't you kind of give a quick rundown of where you currently are and what your current day-to-day is like in your in your role? I have been in marketing and communications for a bit over 10 years. About last year, I decided I needed a change because generally when you're in marketing comps, the, the, the ladder that you climb is obviously you start off with an officer and then you become a manager. And then I've hit that point where I've become a manager and then I sort of asked myself, do I really want to become the head of comms? The answer was no. <laughs> so I decided maybe at this point it's just a good time to be looking for other sort of career pathways. And what happened last year was essentially, I think a lot of people would have heard that there were like massive hacking incidents that happened last year. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Let's look into the cybersecurity business a bit more. Uh, one thing led to another. And through my own research, I sort of went through a what you would probably classify as a boot camp where you attempt to get a certain number of TIA certifications and it's sort of um, here I am and, and then we I suppose we connected on um, on LinkedIn and that's how I ended up on your channel. <laughs> so I guess like going through those boot camps to start with and coming from a background of non-cyber into the quite big industry of what cyber is what initially drew you? Was there a particular domain that drew you to this side, like technical, non-technical? Like where, where were you kind of heading right at the beginning? I think like most career changes, uh, the, the message that I was getting initially when I initially joined the boot camp, I suppose, and spoke with the career advisors w- w- was that there was room for people like myself who are non-technical to be able to contribute in the industry. Well, one of the positions they proposed was, sorry, it was uh, a role called GRC, which I didn't know much about at that time. And it was sort of, in some ways, marketed to me as the least technical role. A lot of people apparently that don't have an IT background first move into GRC, so I am told. The funny thing is, the more I learn about GRC, the more I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and that wasn't because anything. I didn't. I don't have anything against GRC, obviously. But I just, I asked a few people around who did GRC, I asked what their day was like, and a lot of it was, you know, um, policies and, and documents. And, and I thought to myself, well, you know, you're trying to change careers after 10-year careers in constant marketing. You, you may as well sort of make it worth your while and look for something that you actually enjoy. So I started doing labs on Try Hack Me, and... I did some of the sort of the learning pathways. I did some red teaming and then I did some blue teams pathways. And I decided at that point that this blue team business is definitely a lot more interesting than the GRC stuff. And I made a decision to obviously uh, focus my learning into more sort of blue team and uh, activities. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess that really matches with what you said that drew you in the first place is you were seeing all these hacks probably wanted to help out and transition and it kind of matches that you 
fit into that blue team side of the house yeah yeah it's been a journey i would say i didn't know what i wanted i'll admit that so i i kind of moved around a fair bit spoke to a lot of people some people have advised that maybe that i should transition into some sort of like an awareness role so not necessarily in the in the technical aspects but more in a sort of crisis comms role and i thought about that but then again it goes back to the whole desire of absolutely wanting to change careers so i I didn't just want to change into an industry i wanted to change completely what i was doing i wanted to sort of essentially do something that was completely different and also interesting at the same time now just spending lots of nights learning everything possible about blue team Right now, I'm trying to figure out how you use how to use Splunk, which is uh, has been really interesting. I've tinkered with a lot of tools, you could say, and that has been really interesting because it's so different. So yeah, just absorbing it all, and and yeah, sort of back to your comment about the the hacking incidents. You know, as a comms person, hearing stories about people getting sort of conned out of their retirement, stuff like that. That's just heartbreaking stuff, and I thought, you know maybe this is a good time to look into the industry and see if I could also sort of contribute in that sense to not just the industry, but also just the community and, and uh, security for for people overall. When you first decided to transition from the comms into cybersecurity, what kind of pushed you into doing the CompTIA bootcamp? Was that an ad somewhere that you saw and people were like, hey, come and sign up for three, four courses and, and do CompTIA? Yes, you probably read my mind there, Desi, and you've probably seen those ads. <laughs> that was essentially my first point of reference. Obviously, as a, a comms person um, and marketing person, I spent a lot of time on social media and I saw those ads. And without having any personal knowledge to begin with, I that, that was kind of my first point of contact. In some ways, it's, it's, it's good because it, it sort of led me into this kind of other things. Uh, but one year on, I, I think, I'm, I'm you know, now that I've, I'm a lot more sort of more focused and know what I want. I think um, if I look back, I'd probably do things a bit differently. Yeah. It's actually really interesting. So I was out getting a coffee this morning. I was just chatting with the brister, just how how our days are going. And he was like, and I was like, what are you up to this afternoon? He's like, I'm going home to study. And I was like, what are you studying? And he was like, I'm doing a boot camp at uni run by EDX, which is they run at a lot of unis. He's just like, I'm almost finished that. And then I'm, I think I'm going to go to CompTIA Sec Plus next. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like, why why did you decide that? And he was just like, oh, I just saw an ad for it. So obviously their marketing is is really well. And like I've done Sec Plus in the past and I, I think a CompTIA courses are okay. I wouldn't recommend it doing a full suite of them to get into cybersecurity. I think that would be my advice. It's interesting that the marketing is working and it's definitely drawing people in that and I suppose there's just a saturation of courses these days. So it is very hard to pick where to go, depending on what level you are. I'd probably say that, you know, if there was anything, I'd probably would tell myself to put more work into researching. But but you're right, that the marketing was well done. So I did fall for it in that sense. On the other hand, I could see, see it as a sort of an entry point. Um, so most people will probably have different experiences. They, they have... Maybe someone they know who works in the industry and they're able to sort of guide them. I didn't have that. So that was my first point of contact. Yeah, but then I met you and a few other people. And now it's been good ever since. Uh, it's it's sort of given me 
you could say, uh, yeah, a real focus to as to what I really want to do and what I found most interesting. So I want to touch a bit on those bootcamp courses you did and then try hack me just in general, like how did you find the training coming from someone who was completely non-technical and learning a full new industry? Like I'm, I'm interested to see how hard you found it, how much effort you found you had to put in while you were doing your job and, and also try and quantify that in how much time it took you. Cause obviously if people could probably do it quicker, if they put more hours in, they could probably do it longer if they spent less time. So yeah, just a background on that would be good. Yes, obviously as a career changer with no technical background, it, it was pretty challenging for me, even even with the A+. So I did the A+, to begin with, which is considered by many as sort of the fundamentals of computers and a very basic networking and all the other stuff. Even that was, I had to sort of, you know, put some effort into sort of remembering certain things. Uh, printers was one example I, I just realized at that point when I was doing CompTIA that I had no idea how printers worked <laughs> neither mate neither do I yeah. I don't know how printers work yeah you have to replace the ink when it runs out <laughs> yeah. or when you when you run out of yellow you have to replace the whole thing of ink yeah and and, and yeah and there's all these other things and the laser printers and the dot matrix printers probably something I, I you know change replacement of printers is probably something I don't plan on doing but yeah back to the uh, your question about how hard it was to study for myself. I mean, I maintain a full-time job still. So, so after, you know, my day job is up, I go home and try to go for walks for, for once and then have dinner, take showers. And then after that, it's literally two or three hours of studying essentially. So on one hand, yeah, it, it can be pretty tiring, especially some on some days you are just so tired that, the last thing you want to do is look at a video with a droning voice of an IT trainer. Um, but but on some days, it's it's been sort of super interesting. So on the Try Hack Me, that was kind of a later addition because I felt like I was learning all this theory and concept stuff, which which was good as because I didn't know anything about IT infrastructure and much less about security. So it gave me a good foundation, but I was really keen on getting hands-on like how you actually use certain tools and if you were say a SOC analyst how what would that actually look like so the try hack me stuff really sort of helped me wrap my mind around a lot of things and then as you do these things more you start to see sort of connections and the concepts become sort of more concrete I suppose yeah I, I won't lie and say I understand every single concept some of them are still very confusing and highly complicated i find networking for example very challenging to to understand i'd imagine it'd be the sort of thing that i'd probably get better if you were actually working on an actual network so if you had to like lay the cables out and things like that and connect you know a to z and that sort of thing yeah but learning it in, in theory i would admit it was one of the harder ones uh, but yeah overall full-time work and part-time study is yeah, I would say it's it's challenging, and I think you only really do these things if you if you're really committed to your goal, which in my case I am. Um, it also helps that if you don't have kids and don't have pets <laughs> and don't have all the other commitments. But this is something I've been thinking about for a while. You know, following the sort of the desire to change careers, I decided that the next thing that I'm going to have to do is to find a thing that I want to commit for pretty much the next whatever years of my working life 
and to be able to say yes I enjoy this to be able to sort of find something that I could essentially yeah wake up to and look forward to and have fun and then you've been at this I'm, I'm not sure whether you mentioned it just then but 12 months roughly is how long you've been studying to to do the transition 12 months since I started the boot camp I started doing those sort of CTFs on try hack me probably three months after when I first started studying the concepts so yeah 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 and then I threw you in the deep end and made you make a CTF with me and that was successful which was good <laughs> yes yes you did throw me in the deep end I had no clue what I was doing and I did attempt <laughs> to answer some of those forensics questions and I realized that wow completely out of my death here <laughs> but I had some assistance but it, it was good I think it's probably no better way to learn in that sense yeah, I, th- I think that's it. Is is saying yes to opportunities and and trying new things is is definitely what most successful people in this industry, even looking at the people who have been on this podcast in the past, right? Like they're all tinkerers. They're all like learning all the time. No one's ever great at everything. It's always every day you go to work, you learn something new. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that are that really attracted me in some ways to the industry when you meet actual practitioners when you actually meet practitioners it's the community is really i found really welcoming very willing to share information so people are generally helpful i would say i've attended a lot of networking events met so many industry practitioners and and giving me lots of tips on what i should do next if i wanted to pursue this path or that path so it's been great I guess this is where I normally ask, what would you go back and tell your pre-cyber self? What would you tell your pre-CompTIA self? Sounds like you kind of wished you would have talked to more people in the industry first before jumping into courses and, and getting, a, like you said, a bit more research. So what would have that looked like and what would have you told yourself 12 months ago? If I had to do anything different, I would definitely do more research but the other thing that I would do a lot more of is to actually talk to people who are actually in the industries and ask them questions like, you know, what's it like with your role? You'd want to do a bit of researching on what roles there are in cyber. I, I still, till today, just because of the fact that I've started studying cybersecurity, I've had a few inquiries from some of my sort of friends or acquaintances asking me, basically what's the cyber industry like and you know the word cyber is a big thing you could end up you know whichever domain you want to end up there's there's just a massive range you could be a SOC analyst or red teamer or or someone in GRC or in the crisis comms team I think the first step is for me would be to do more research but also to probably make a decision first of exactly what I wanted which domain of cyber I wanted to be in before I committed to the course. First, the commitment to, I want this role. And then the second one would be, well, what, what are the next steps to, to get to, that I have to do to get that role, essentially, rather than, yeah, just going for kind of certs just because, that sort of thing. I guess that's still challenging, right? Like, unless you try some of the roles and you don't really know what they're like. And you might get into blue and be like, actually don't like this i want to go to grc yeah that's that's true (laughs) haven't met a person who said that there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i need to get more grc people on here otherwise people are going to assume i hate them 
I don't. I don't hate JRC people. I think they're great. Yeah, I definitely definitely want to interview some JRC. I, I have some friends, actually, from Adelaide that I used to work with that I'm going to try and get on. It's just a matter of, of reaching out to them. So I guess there's, there's not too much more to talk about the career at the moment, and that's, that's fine because you're in the beginning of your journey. Other than your full-time job and all the study you're doing at home, do you have any other kind of passion projects at the moment, whether that's cyber or otherwise? Because I'm trying to get a role and trying to get ahead in terms of learning and knowledge, I'm definitely spending a lot of time, devoting a lot of time to learning more about cyber and blue team activities in general. But outside of that, I do like sport. I do I do like playing soccer, for example. That's something I had to, unfortunately, sort of set aside just to catch up with study. But when I can, I do try to join social games that's that's kind of one big passion of mine. It always has been. Sport has always been sort of a thing close to me. Another, probably you could say an aspirational side project is to get into playing music more. That's something I also used to do quite a fair bit. Yeah, but because of life and, and career change, all that sort of stuff. It's been great, obviously. But yeah, it's just the matter, a matter of finding time to do all these things. Yeah, right now though, uh, in my head, uh, I do. I am interested in, in finding out more about how you could possibly build a, a home lab, just so that I can I can practice in an environment in a safe environment where I can look at sort of network traffic and all these other things and have my own SEIM or something like that. So I've seen some people online do it. I thought that was interesting. So it's probably a good a good project for me. Uh, no rush though, but yeah. There's always heaps to learn. That's for sure. Other than getting into cybersecurity, which is definitely, I, I think, a short-term goal that you're looking at at the moment now that you've been studying so much, do you have any other goals for the next six to 12 months that are kind of on the horizon that you're looking at, or is, is a, that's the main focus for you? Career-wise, a big focus is definitely trying to get a role in the, in the next coming months. The other personal goal, I suppose, is, is it a goal? If you're getting married, is that a goal? <laughs> Winning at life, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Getting married to the love of my life. She's great. She's incredibly supportive. We haven't a lot, spent a lot of time together, I'll admit, because of this. But yeah, but she's been very understanding of that. We're, we're basically essentially planning for a wedding. Again, I don't know if that's a goal. A goal is to get through it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, but personal goals, it's probably the cyber one is a, is a big one. And I would probably add if I had to do sort of something that's non-cyber, non-work, it's probably to maybe learn another song on the guitar again, since I haven't done that for quite a long time. That's something I've been thinking. You know, you devote a lot of time and brain processing sort of power to these things. Sure, all great and everything, but I, once in a while, it's just good to get sort of a into a creative outlet of some sort. Yeah, 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 that's true. So I'm interested to know, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be growing up? I was quite a distracted kid. So when I was growing up, school wasn't for me. I found at least the school system at that time, it's probably changed to be a lot better now. But at that time, the school that I went to has a a sort of very strong bias in academic sort of performance so when you put in a class full of people who are 
essentially smart, or book smart, I'll call them. So there's top 90%. Everyone's scoring 90% in that, in that class except for you. It just makes you, I suppose, look bad <laughs> and, and don't feel like you belong there. And it's it was that sort of situation with me w- with school. And I find myself being, you could say, distracted because it was this whole situation of, well, there. I could study really hard and sort of just make it, but then you have people who would sort of study maybe, you know, burn the midnight oil sort of thing and still sort of get 90, that sort of stuff. And it's like, well, life's not very fair, is it? (laughs) But no, um, one of the things that that I remember fondly was being interested in space. So what happened was my dad one day bought me a book about, essentially space and it was it was a kids children's book about you know the first sort of astronauts and things like that and the planets and the space race and all that and I found myself sort of absorbed into that sort of thing so I, so I did at some point I did thought about oh I wonder what it's like to become an astronaut and then I realized that you have to perform these mathematical calculations because essentially you have to be a pilot first before you can be an astronaut and every astronaut is essentially an, a really good pilot <laughs> it's like okay well it's probably and also most of these things happen in the u.s so i figured well that's probably not going to happen uh, not just because it happens in the u.s but because i'm not very good at math <laughs> so as a kid that was what i wanted to to be um, the interesting thing i suppose with me is that you know, it took a lot of time for me to grow out of the notion that, you know, school was kind of, would set you up for life, if that makes sense. So if you, the school that I went to at least, it's great. I mean, not all of it was bad, but, you know, some teachers I remember fondly, had made some really good friends that I keep in touch till this day. Yeah, but from my experience of it overall was that I was taught in school to, to try and perform really well so that you had sort of you know, this nice cushy job waiting for you at the end of it all, that sort of thing. So if you do school well, you do uni well, and then life just sorts itself out. And that's probably true for the most part statistically. But I know for me that, you know, as someone who maybe didn't perform that well academically, and it, it was like, well, what's there for, for me, that sort of sort of thing, especially if you're a distracted kid. And I think that's where sport and sort of creative outlets came in, all that sort of stuff because I found them sort of very fulfilling pursuits, if you like. Not that you can make a lot of money out of them, <laughs> out of music. Especially during especially during COVID, can't make money out of any of that. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So essentially what happened, I just kind of picked the thing. So I didn't have, like, I wanted to be this, I wanted to be an astronaut, I wanted to be a cyber professional or anything. What, what I did have was essentially whatever that was interesting at that point in time, that was what I would pursue. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably true with with with, with cybersecurity. Although I do find cybersecurity incredibly interesting, and there's a lot of content out there that will keep me busy for the rest of my waking life. <laughs> I think when you're an adult, you just have a different perspective on what you want to study as well to enjoy. And and I completely agree with school. Like I, I didn't do too bad at high school, and I went from high school to uni. And I picked a math degree because my career advisor was like, pick something that you're good at and go to uni and do it. And that was terrible advice because I hate being a math teacher or 
a statistics teacher or I think what well, I could do those two things or yeah, it was either be a maths teacher, work for the Bureau of Statistics or be an actuary were like the three career things that they started talking about. And I was like, none of those sound great. So I switched to engineering because I liked making things. Again, like I switched to engineering, not because I was going towards a job because someone was like, oh, pick what you're interested in, which again, I think is terrible advice. Like I always like how you put it, like pick where you want to be and then figure out how to get there because you want to get to the job the journey for the study, like sure you'll enjoy it along the way, but it's just a means to start the thing that you actually want to do. Like that's the real, real journey in your career, I think. And that's a great point, exactly. I, I think it wasn't so much looking back at my experience at school. It, I don't think it was so much, and this obviously comes with age and all that sort of thing. But looking back at the experience, it was it wasn't so much that I wasn't didn't like studying. It wasn't. It was more so that if I didn't find a reason to study something, then it wouldn't be interesting. So you know, and and perhaps which is why the math bit was was incredibly difficult to focus on, because I didn't know what I would be doing with that in later life. Like there was no connection. It's like, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to be an astronaut, so why should I learn how to you know do all these calculations, that sort of thing, and 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 yeah, and all that sort of thing, but. But now, obviously, being a sort of a, a student later in life, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's been interesting because clearly I, I, one of the things that when I started studying cyber was that I was actually a bit nervous going into studying because I haven't done it for quite a while. I don't know if a lot of people out there feel the same way, but it was kind of, it felt strange and it was like, oh, you know, it's all these sort of traumatic study experiences that you've had maybe coming back. <laughs> Test, for example, still spook me. I think they will always spook me. Yeah, but I found that as soon as I had the reason, I found a, you could say a cause, then it became much easier to, to learn things because you actually wanted to and, and you remembered it and you enjoyed it most of all, yeah. I know you've mentioned after work you go for walks and you want to get into music and soccer at all, but is there anything else you do to unwind and get away between all of this work that you're doing? Before I sort of started studying, I had a really bad habit of you could say gaming too much gaming is fun it is a lot of fun and i still do it i just don't have enough time to these days but there's also that sort of needle of how much is too much because i could just spend hours and hours and and as someone i'm sure people out there that play games can sort of relate you know the days just go by the hours go by really quickly when you're playing a game completely immersed so some of the games i play um, are mostly sort of what i call them sort of the um brain sort of mush kind of games where it's first person shooters you just click a button and depend on your reflexes to you know try to get someone before they get you that sort of thing and you know in my case i lose that most of the time because you're up against like 18 year olds 17 year olds who are probably you know one step below the professional gamer and that sort of stuff but yeah it's it's really a way to sort of unwind and switch off from from you know the work stuff I just got to do it in healthy doses, I think. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate. I've gone through periods where I game way too much. I, I've actually gone on a period where I haven't gamed much at all lately, but yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> so last question, mate. What recommendations do you have for people that are currently similar to you, right? Like outside the industry, maybe looking for a career change, maybe coming out of uni or coming out of another job that want to get in? What are your recommendations for that? 
So I'll just say what works for my experience. For someone looking to change their careers into cybersecurity, doing research is super important. That's definitely a big one at start. So start with doing a, you know, a lot of research about what are different domains in cybersecurity and then follow through with, you know what are the sets or training activity or exercises that you need to do to to get there that sort of thing because right now the industry you know we all say there's a skill shortage but i think probably both you and i know that it's not very clear cut in terms of joining the industry so it's not exactly easy to to get in and for the most part it's quite challenging so step one i would say yeah do your research before committing to certificates uh, just for the sake of certificates for the most part companies are probably more interested in you could say your skills in some sense um, and not just a piece of paper unless it's a sans one yeah even even then like especially entry level yeah i think you're i think you're right entry level is experience is what companies are looking for yeah exactly and in my own experience that entry level doesn't necessarily mean you know zero knowledge i think there's an expectation that you have to do the self-study on your own and, and find out things for yourself so yeah number one uh do your research number two if it's probably not obvious for career changes is that i think we've spoken about this it's probably a good idea to have a buffer because there's a good chance that once you've done your studies and get into your first role you're probably going to take a pay cut and I think for I've met some individuals uh, or heard stories from people that essentially want to get into the industry but can't because of all these other commitments and that sort of thing. So I think, yeah, I know that's probably an unsexy thing to say, but essentially, at least in my case, I in some ways planned for that buffer. It was a calculated risk. So I knew what I would, was getting into and I knew what it might take for me to get there, that sort of thing. I actually don't know whether I've mentioned it on podcast before, but so I, I was in a similar boat. I, I took a pay cut when I first transitioned from, I, like I was working in cyber and defense, but I wanted to go private. So a little bit of a different situation, but it, again, like I moved from government well-paying job into my first role and I, I did take a pay cut, but that's probably really good advice. Cause if you are in a similar boat to you have been in your industry for, for 10 years or so, you probably are on a, a manager's pay packet or at least a high technical one and then moving across you will have to go back to essentially entry associate level cyber does pay well so the gap may not be that big but yeah definitely it's it's a good point to raise yeah no definitely i think i think it's a big one and the more buffer you have it's probably better for you and it's probably something that's i'm sure people with families that want to change careers that that would be an incredibly important point to consider i would say the third point is don't just do sets and kind of expect jobs to land i think the other part which is probably the most important part and probably how we met and how uh, things sort of fell in place for me in that sense was to to put some time set some time aside for networking so meeting actual people at events go to b-sides or any cyber events where you can connect with sort of industries uh, industry professionals and companies and, and, and show your face and, and being active on platforms like LinkedIn. I think that's a really, it seems to me that it's a really big thing and that puts um, you ahead in front of so many other people 
because it's like what you said there's so many jobs out there but also like i mean the other day was in there an academy role that had like a thousand two hundred applicants and that's just 20 places one thousand two hundred applicants that's just crazy so it's just one of those things where networking will probably yeah work in your favor for the most part so if you're willing to go out there and meet people that's a really good thing i i think i'll add to this because like i've had a lot of experience with like general networking at conferences especially with new people that i get introduced with all the time and then people are looking for more like more networking on top of that the general conference networking like i know a lot of the people in the industry are very introverted and it's a big deal to get out there and talk to people but it is worth it and there are communities that are beginner friendly like even though the, the industry is very friendly in general but you can find groups that are beginner friendly as well so look for those and then if you're someone who is looking for extra help or extra networking or wants to ask someone questions make sure you have those questions lined up if you tee someone up on linkedin you're like hey can we chat don't just like jump on the chat and not have questions lined up to ask that person like do your research first have them ready if you want even more from that and you're a good example of this like we've been working together for the past four six weeks but have jumped on a few opportunities that i've had if you said no to some of them, so say you didn't want to do the CTF, that's completely fine. You said no. But you said yes, but then you still put the work in. So if you're going to say yes to something, make sure you're ready to put the work in to to deliver on what you're saying that you're going to do with that person. And that doesn't have to be as hectic as a CTF. That could just be like, I'm doing this CTF challenge. Would you mind helping me step through it? All that kind of thing. Make sure you have like at least tried it and, and know roughly where to go with it because people in the industry respond really well to that because they want to help people succeed and get over those challenges but if you kind of come into it and you're like i don't know what i'm doing like and you don't know how to google simple things like it feels like you're wasting my time which i've had a lot of in the past so i'm always happy to help but if you're gonna not put the effort in yourself to get there then that's the downside that people don't like and that's not the industry that's just true of anyone right like no matter who you are what you're doing you need to put in effort to to match what you're asking from someone else exactly i think i completely completely agree that i'm taking notes down too just so that i won't ask you like questions before i ask google <laughs> first <laughs> you're you've been good though mate like you've you've always like gone out and done some stuff first and then come back and be like oh like i looked this up and i don't quite understand it and then we kind of sit down and chat about it and and also about like different jobs that are around and everything so it's not hard to do to show it's to show motivation right and that's what hiring managers want you don't need to know everything you need to know have the ability to research and especially research the role that you're applying for but then also the ability to go like if you're an interview and you don't know you can go oh hey i don't know and then Google it later on and, and get back to them and go, hey, like I researched this. This is everything that I understand now. Like that's really valuable as a skill because it's hard to teach people that without going, go and Google. But if you are motivated internally to go do that, then that looks really good. And it's a skill that you should have in the industry anyway. Completely, 100% agree. I, I was reading somewhere on, on the SANS website, they have a blog and, and someone wrote, I think, a two sort of, a two sort of series article 
on on mentoring and and I was reading that and one of the lines that sort of caught my attention was that from their point of view so I think he was a sans trainer can't remember his name but when you get into a sort of a mentoring uh, you find a mentor and then they agree his view was that you as the mentee should set the tone which I thought was really interesting not the mentor you know even before sort of when I because I've always thought you know if I do have a mentor and I think that's you <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> Appreciate it very much. What was that I needed to be intentional, not just my mentor's time, but also with my time. So I needed to really have a, you know, a, a good think about, you know, if if we do meet, that there is something of substance to talk about, and that it would, you know, get me from A to B to C, and and not just expect to be in that sense, you know, obviously spoon-fed information, that sort of stuff. And th- and that's the difference between mentoring and coaching. Like spoon-fed is is me coaching you. I don't like doing that. Like I do that if I run a course and you teach people, that's coaching, like as a trainer. But yeah, mentoring is definitely 100% like, and, and we've done this before, like if you don't have anything in that or I don't have anything in that fortnight that we need to talk about, we just don't meet. We, we both have other things to do. We don't have to just show up and, and do something. So, and I think the other good thing that we've done is, and that you've really driven is we have kind of like goals that we set and you meet those goals before the, before we say, okay, let's, this is going to take a month. Let's take a month to do it. And by that month's time, you've done whatever task it is to, to move your career, whether it's been like resume work that we've done or the cover letter or like extra training or, or even the CTF stuff. It's just hitting those deadlines and showing that you can kind of turn up and do it all the time. Well, awesome, mate. Thanks so much for joining again. It's been a pleasure having you on. And I'm sure a lot of people that are looking to get in the industry will definitely benefit from your perspective and, and where you are now. And I definitely hope to see you in a cyber role shorter than within six months because you're, you're definitely putting in the work. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And, and yeah, no, thanks for having me on board, not just on the show, but on board in general. And and obviously for your time and your wisdom and knowledge and all the uh, memes on Discord. <laughs> yeah, so many crab memes. Please join the Discord if you really like crab memes. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So nearly all the content will be free, but if you want to support, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you're interested in a Cypher Challenge coin, then check out my shop. It's still unsolved and I've got some prizes to win for that. All the links will be in the show notes, but for a hub of all content, please head to highlyadequate.com. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you later on.